Hi, everybody, and welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast, Two Cool Dudes. Uh, together, myself, Daniel Engler, and my partner, uh, Mark O'Hannon. Mark, say hi. How's it going, everyone? Um, we will be looking into some of the education systems of some countries. So, uh, yeah, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know, we focus on education systems of all these different countries and how they affect the government. And if you missed our last episode on Russia, be sure to check it out and let us know what you think of their education system. And uh, that could also give you a good idea of what to expect for our discussion today. We hope through our series, our listeners will discover some things they believe our own system is doing well and some things that they think could be improved upon. This specific episode, we will be looking at the UK and what kind of cleavages have arose from their edu- uh, education system specifically. And with that, we'll be on our way. So to start, I think it would be best to give just a general overview of the UK education system, which is what we've done in the past. So the UK education system is divided into four main parts, that those being the primary education, secondary education, further education, and then higher education. And children in the UK, they have to legally attend primary and secondary education which runs from about five years old until the student is 16. And something that's interesting, actually, about the education system in the UK is obviously, at face value, it looks pretty similar to a lot of the education systems that we looked at in the past. You know, like, you have your primary, your secondary education system, and then your higher education systems. And those are kind of similar to China, Russia, uh, even the US. They, we all have something similar to that in that form with with a few uh, changes here and there from country to country. But one thing that's interesting is that the UK has something called a key stage. They have four specific key stages and those break down into specific ages. So the first key stage is from five to seven years old. The second key stage is from seven to 11 years old. The third key stage is from 11 to 14 years old. And then the final key stage is from 14 to 16 years old. So not only do they have the the schools, like the primary education schools, the secondary education schools, but within those, they have these key stages and they kind of vary from, I think some of them can even overlap from primary to secondary education. But it's interesting to see how they group these because for for me, it seems like it would just make sense to group kids in terms of primary education and you have those specific ages like in the U.S. in elementary school year you're there from ages five to 11 I think it is yeah and that that'd be the way you group so yeah Daniel can talk a little bit more about these key stages because it's pretty interesting yeah it's interesting because as you move from key stage to key stage they're going to test you and that'll help them determine where you're at at the specific uh, transition point from say the key stage when you're five to seven to whatever seven to ten seven to eleven and then when they reach well when students reach 14 they enter their first of a two-year process known as your GCSE and this is going to be a series of exams that are going to test your knowledge and many schools will follow the same method when it comes to the GCSEs and you'll take the following core subjects of English, math, and science. And then students, 
if they want to, will typically select an additional four or five subjects to take in the GCSEs. And so this can vary from subjects like French or German or Chinese, so language, or you could take the test for business, uh, finance, or accounting. You could take it for design and technology or music or really anything that you want. Um, and at state schools, typically students will take five to 10 GCSEs. And that, I mean, it all depends on a student's ability and their drive because they can really pick whatever they want to take and they can cater it to the, themselves. That's um, something that's, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say that that's pretty interesting because, again, it seems like, I forget if we talked about this with either Russia or China, but it seems like they're giving these students a lot more choice with what they what they choose to study from a pretty early age. I mean, you take the GCSE at 16, and you can still you can choose. Obviously, you have the, those main courses that you you still have to to take, but you can still choose from a wide variety of courses that you you yourself are interested in. It seems like in the U.S., obviously, that doesn't happen until. I mean, obviously, you have choice over what courses you can take, but the the GCSE is it seems like it's more about pursuing those courses really because it's it's more of a test. It's not just taking the courses it's about the test. So it's just, it was just interesting for me because they it seems like they get a lot more choice that early on than we do in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, speaking of flexibility, um, I found some information about just the average school day of a UK student and. Um, one of these quotes says uh, each UK school organizes its timetable differently. Lessons might last 35, 40, 55, or 60 minutes. For each subject, a student will attend classes for about five hours a week, and it is also expected to undertake at least six hours in private study. Uh, students will also usually attend classes in general studies or philosophy or other similar subjects. Um, and the part that stuck out for me there is that lessons will last 35 up to 60 minutes. So it just, it seems like in general, there seems to be a lot more flexibility and variety because, um, you know, in America, you know, everybody knows school periods, each period is like 45, 47 minutes. And then you go to the next one, same time, same time, same time until you're done with the day. Um, so that's just that's one thing I thought was interesting. Like we don't really see that type of flexibility until college where you might go to a class for just a little bit and then you're done, you're off the hook and that's it for the next two days. So yeah, I thought that was, uh, thought that was kind of interesting. Absolutely. To, to finish off that point, it just seems like there's like, like you said, the flexibility of it. And it seems like it's a lot more reformed than the U S education system because I mean, it seems like the U.S. education system has been doing those the same time periods, like the 40, 47 minute periods for a really long time now. And obviously, it varies from school to school in the U.S., but it's sort of the same. It's the same structure. You know, you go to class for the same amount of time every day. And you go to the same classes every day. Here, it seems a lot more reformed and it, it gives students much more of a choice and an option. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So those GCSEs that we were discussing are essentially UK students' gateway to higher education. But not only higher education like the college system, but they can also go into a type of schooling called sixth form. 
And so sixth form is, they call it a college, but it's not really a college. It's more for high school age students from 16 to 18 years old. But it's it's sort of, a, a I guess, a gateway from high school to college in a sense. But it's basically, it, essentially, it's a better high school. So they enable students to progress to university or higher level vocational education. And they offer an extensive range of academic, technical, and professional courses. So I guess the best way to think of them in terms of like the U.S. would be if your junior year you transferred out of a public high school to a really renowned uh, private school, I guess. I, I think that's the best way of looking at it. Yeah, like a, like a boarding school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And then as for the higher education system, um, UK has quite a variety, actually. They have over 100 universities and they no real shortage of options. They, they offer a wide variety of degree programs, but only about one third of all students go on to higher education in the UK. And actually over 50% of those students are from Scotland. So the competition is actually pretty competitive and uh, it's advised to apply early for courses. And it's pretty interesting because I've never, I guess I've never thought about having to compete so heavily with students from other countries. Like obviously there's international students that come to US schools, but I don't think it's at the same degree as it is in the UK, especially because a lot of the countries are really close to the UK. So there's obviously gonna be a greater influx of students that are coming to go to these UK schools. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point and a good observation because, you know, here in the U.S., like when I was applying to schools, I didn't, I didn't feel too much pressure or competition coming from, you know, across the, across the sea on either side. You know, I just, I felt more nervous about how my, my peers in my, you know, in the U.S. were going to do and how, how the competition was going to be between me and them. I wasn't really thinking about international students. Exactly, yeah. And even like, even when I was like applying to schools out of state, I would look up acceptance rates for like both in-state and out-of-state students and compare them. But I didn't even think to, you know, look up acceptance rates for international students that are that are coming over. And that's probably a big factor in the UK, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to actually talk about with the UK is uh, the options they have for kids who don't want to go to college. And uh, this could be uh, like vocational courses and opportunities. And I was reading into it and it said uh, there's a lot of options when it comes to wanting to have a more hands-on experience and more job experience, but not going to a school to get it. Um, And a lot of these options were the forms of apprentices or apprenticeships, which I thought was uh, actually really interesting because I feel like that's an option in the U.S., but a lot of people kind of look at it as a last resort if you don't get into college. But in the U.K., it seems like more of a respected and a more well-informed decision than it would be in the U.S. Right, exactly. Because in the U.S., in the U.S., it always seems like it's you know college first, right? Like there's it's such a or it's there's, there's such a push for kids to to go into college and they don't really, they, it seems like they don't really put even any vocational schools out as an option or it's not even pushed in, in your high schools so that's really interesting um shifting gears here we're going to start talking about some issues with the uk education system 
And actually, it's interesting because it ties in with what we were talking about earlier with how it seems like the UK education system is really reformed and refined and because they have, you know, the shift in, they have a lot of options for students with the courses that they can take or the, the class times or the periods. But it seems like that actually has turned into an issue in the UK educa- education system because it seems like it's almost reformed too often. An example of this is a recent change from 2018, where the UK changed from lettered grades to numbered grades. And this left a lot of students feeling very confused over the grades that they were receiving. And to even go into this further, here's a quote from local media from a different scenario, or from the same scenario, sorry, excuse me. As with most things, the education system is politically run as it has been for years. Take the structure of education, for example. In 1965, the circular 10 over 65, also known as the Crossland Circular, set out to replace the tripartite system of education with a comprehensive school system under the labor government. Five years later, the conservatives repealed this with the circular 10 over 70, which meant that the local education authorities had control of what type of system to implement in their local area. When the Labor Party returned to power, they repealed this with the implementation of the Education Act in 1976. The constant changing of how education was run left many feeling confused and uncertain about its future. So it seems like this has been going on since, I mean, 1965, at least in this quote it says, but it seems like the government has really, it's really shifted its idea of who should run the education system because under under the conservatives the local education authorities had had more of a say over what the schools would do but then with the labor party the um the education act of 1976 made it so that it was more it was more like uh, the heads of government running the whole education system rather than just the individual um the individual education authorities so it seems like this, these changes have actually left students feeling pretty confused and it's been kind of a tough time for the UK. Yeah, um, it, what, this actually kind of reminds me of uh, China because when we were uh, researching them, we found a lot of information about how uh, the school systems were sometimes run under you know one umbrella of government, but in a lot of scenarios, there were a lot of rural areas that were just totally left by themselves with no guidance. And those areas were struggling a lot because the teachers weren't as good. Nobody wanted to teach there and nobody really wanted to go to school there. They just wanted to work and just let themselves be uneducated. And uh, it seems like the constant changes within the UK system have led to some cleavages between citizens and the government. Um, One such example actually was in 2010 when there were widespread student protests in the UK that involved between 30,000 and 50,000 demonstrators marching through central, uh, central London. And a lot of them were upset because I believe it was the conservative government was uh, reviewing higher education funding and they were going to repeal and cut a lot of the spending to further education. And this actually kind of looks like more of a shift towards college focus because the students were upset that they weren't putting as much money into colleges as they believe they should be. Right, yeah, that's really interesting. And to compare it to the U.S., I guess 
kind of take it for granted, but it's, it doesn't seem like there's always that much that level of change happening constantly. It seems like, at least with the college system, you kind of know what to expect. You understand what, what it is going into it. And you, obviously, you, like with funding changes, it's like pretty difficult to understand like if you can go to college or not in the UK. In the US, it seems like that's a little more stable, at least. It seems pretty, it, it, they're really changing a lot here. Yeah, and um, it just seems like it would be tough to keep up in the UK with all this flip-flopping, you know. Uh, one year, you know exactly what's happening. You're getting, you know, letter grades, for instance. And then the next year, everything's totally changed. The curriculum's changed. You're getting different numbered grades that you're not particularly used to. So it just uh, it seems like you might fall behind on the learning curve about your own you know, education system. Right, absolutely. All right, well, I hate to end the fun, but I believe that's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is actually our last episode, unfortunately. But we hope that if you listen to all of our episodes, or even just one, that you learn more about how cleavages within the education system in different countries can affect, uh, can affect the government and the citizens that live in those countries. Yep, and we hope uh, everybody gained some insight as to whether they wish they had grown up somewhere else or if they are happy with what we have here in America you know I think I you know definitely satisfied with the education we have here and I don't think I'd want it any other way me as well I completely agree so thank you again for listening and we'll see you later goodbye